Okay, all right. I think that did it. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm done. It's totally my fault. But hello, and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast Twitch channel. My name is Michael, and we're here tonight for Detention Live. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. Uh, if anyone is new watching tonight, Chris is also the uh, game master of the uh, Redemption Star Wars Actual Play podcast, uh, and you can find him on Twitter at Burlew underscore Chris. Absolutely. And then join us tonight as our special guest co-host. We have Kevin Stacy, who is the uh, the host and the game master of the Game Night Heroes podcast. So, Kevin, say hello to everyone. Hi, everybody. Uh, thanks a lot for having me, Michael. I really appreciate it. I'm really excited. Yeah, so. we're happy to have you. And again, uh, where can they find your podcast? Give us like, uh, well, give us the elevator pitch. What is it? Absolutely. Uh, well, we are you know actual play podcast. We're playing tabletop role playing games. Myself and four players, and we're just telling really good stories. We're very story driven, narrative based. And uh, you can find us on nine different platforms right now. Anchor is our main hub we're at right now, but we also do Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple, pretty much any place you can find podcasts, we're there. Excellent. And you have a Twitter for the show? Yep. At the show, it's at Game Night Hero. And uh, we also have a website, GameNightHeroes.com. Excellent. All right. That's good branding. All right. So we're going to kick things off as we often do here with our extracurricular. And this is where we just talk about things we've been up to lately. This could be a movie we've watched, TV show, books we've read, music, uh, talk a walk in the park. It really can be anything that you feel like sharing with us and with any potential audience. Uh, Chris, I'll start with you tonight. What have you been up to, buddy? Uh, well, main things besides work, uh, still doing scouting stuff as always. I started watching Jupiter's Legacy. On Netflix. I watched one episode. I'm curious of your take. I've enjoyed it. It's definitely a very neat twist on superheroes. Okay. And the the code of superheroes and uh, some morality behind it. Uh, very human. Uh, they very humanize the, the superheroes right off the bat. They're not all perfect. And you know, they're not Superman. They're a little more towards Batman, but not as mopey. But anyways... I go into more detail, it spoils it for you, but I've really enjoyed it. I think I'm only on episode like five, but I'm definitely hooked. I'm hoping it's more than one season and they keep building up the backstory. They do some really cool flashbacks and kind of building up to how superpowers were discovered. Mm -hmm. yeah, however you want to say it. Uh, so that's been pretty neat. Um, watching Bad Batch. If you're a Star Wars fan, you know, like this nerd. Uh, Bad Batch has been awesome. I'm also a big Clone Wars Order 66 fan, so it's set right in that kind of timeline. It's been neat to kind of watch how they've developed the entire Clone Wars series right up into Order 66 and then into Bad Batch. I'm curious to see where that goes. I mean, there's only two episodes, but it's been entertaining so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I imagine that Jeepers Legacy will get a second season uh, only because I know Netflix has a uh, developmental deal with the creator. Uh, is it Miles? Mark Miller? It's Mark Miller. Mark Miller, yeah. Uh, they paid like buku millions of dollars just to get like his entire library of stuff. So they're okay. kind of in business with him. So I would imagine if it does well at all, they'll want to recoup that investment. But it, I mean, obviously it depends on how well it does. But I think it was trending as like like one of the top shows when it first released. So it's got some eyeballs on it. So I've really enjoyed it. Um, otherwise, I'm almost fully staffed at work. <laughs> Uh, I replaced people that left because of the computer system, and then the boss approved me to hire one more person. Nice. So exciting for me because now I get to add more people. Uh, and uh, maybe a couple new product lines we're talking about, but 
that'll get boring if I sit here and start talking to you about medical equipment. But. All right. Kevin, what have you been up yeah, to? Yeah, Kevin. I, uh, love and life. I, uh, just finished, uh, well, I've got a couple different things going on. I just finished Falcon and Winter Soldier, mm -hmm. uh, the other day. Um, good. yeah, it was, it was good. It was, uh, I love how Marvel's got such a uh, a high standard that they've got right now that they kind of they can back off, and be a little more lazy with their storytelling. I think is what I felt with with Winter Soldier. Don't anybody hate me, but uh, it was okay. I mean, uh, there were certain things about it I didn't like, certain things I did like, but that's Maybe. anything anymore. But yeah. uh, good, good overall. Um, the dynamic between the two leads is awesome, so that's fun. But uh, yeah, so that's been a good time. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm really, I'm binging the Magnus archives right now. I'm not sure if you guys have ever listened to that. It's uh, it's a wild that. ride. <laughs> it's uh, it actually just ended. So I'm a little behind the curve, uh, but uh, it's uh, kind of like an X-Files world of darkness. -y kind of thing. Um, they're like archiving these weird, creepy stories and the things that go bump in the night or bumping back kind of thing. So it's a, uh, it's a wild ride though. It's pretty cool. So uh, listening to that, really enjoy that. So a quick shout out to Dirty Heaven Arrow uh, for joining us tonight. Uh, happy to have you. It looks like the, there's a few other people who are watching. Lurkers are always welcome. But if you do feel like saying hello in chat, we really enjoy that as well. Uh, later in the show, there'll be an opportunity to ask some questions if you are particularly interested in, in hearing our opinions on things. Because, you know, I don't know why anyone would, but maybe you would. Um, anything else, Kevin, that you'd like to talk about? Um, that's really it. Just as Chris was saying, I, you know, do the work thing and do the family thing. Just staying busy, you know, trying to make it through the COVID haze. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're finally starting to see what looks like the other side of this. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, we're not we're not out of the woods yet. Again, chickens hatching. I don't want to count them yet, uh, but it seems like we're in the right direction. So I'm really excited about that. For sure. For sure. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of things going on. I don't want to talk about all of them because it will get boring. But I will, of course, mention Action 12 Cinema, which is the RPG that I'm designing and hope to bring to Kickstarter later this year. Uh, we had a really fun play test a couple of days ago. Got some great feedback. And we're going to do another play test tomorrow. Chris is going to be in that one. He's not played it yet, so I'm looking forward to having him at the table. And I'm not going to incorporate the feedback I got last time because I want another group to see if the same things come up. Uh, and if they Fair. do, then that probably will tell me that, yes, these are changes that are needed. If not, then maybe it was just situational to that game. Uh, but I'm really, I'm really excited about it. Again, obviously, I'm nervous. I'm going to get a Kickstarter and like two people will show up. <laughs> But I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very proud of it. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to other people getting their hands on and see how it goes. Uh, I'm watching The Nevers on HBO. That's uh, mm. the show I've been into. I think there's five episodes out so far. And I'm really liking it. Uh, it is a Joss Whedon uh, created and at least first season directed, produced show. And as much as I love most of the things Joss Whedon has done, it sounds like he's a garbage human being. And uh, that kind of makes me feel a little... I also... Uh, the John Walker shield, you know, end of season episode four was like yes. apex for me. I yeah, love mind that. Blowing. Yeah. Mind blowing. But then I don't know that what they did immediately after that lived up to that level. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Uh, Smallville. I just wrapped up season two of that Smallville uh, podcast. I started. Uh, welcome Gygar 68. Happy to have you here. Oh, our stream died. Mm. No. Quick. Get the defib. Uh, <laughs> clear out the mouth. Okay, apparently it's back. So yeah, my uh, the numbers on my screen didn't change, so I don't know why it didn't. It doesn't look like my internet went out. It might have been a Twitch thing. 
Uh, yeah. But again, small, Smallville, Farm to Fable, my season two just wrapped up. So I'm I'm gearing up for season three. I've I've watched the first 17 episodes of season three of Smallville in the last week. I'm trying to get through the entire season just in as quick as I can and then go back and start watching them one at a time, taking my notes for the actual recordings. Because last season, I started forgetting things. It's like they would like they would set a thing up. And I'm like, I don't really remember how this pays off. And we're supposed to be a show about the sh- that show. Right. I should not forget those things. So I'm trying to <laughs> right. do it a little bit differently this time to help me do a better job of, of hosting the show. But I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, we're slowly gaining an audience. We're up to like 40, 50 downloads per episode right now, uh, which obviously is way tiny compared to this show. But also the show is 10 years old and that one's you know barely one. Uh, but I think that's enough of things for me. So we will move on. Uh, so the next thing we like to do here is our first improv game, and that is 10 Things. And this is a game where we will prompt one another to try to come up with a list of 10 things that fit the prompt. The idea here is immediacy over accuracy. So 10 bad things that you get quickly is better for the game than 10 things that really fit the prompt very well. Uh, Kevin, you are our guest tonight. Would you like to go first, second, or third in terms of being the one giving the list? I got a list. I'll give you a list right away. Sure. Okay. I'll right. start it off. So, so I will prompt you. You okay. will then prompt Chris, and then Chris will right. close the loop with me. Okay. So okay. hopefully this will work for you. I'm As someone who has named multiple things uh, podcast-related, mm-hmm. I'm always just curious about that. I, I think it's fun. So the name of your podcast is Game Night Heroes. Oh, yeah. I, I'm willing to bet that that wasn't the first name you came up with. Right. So it was not. <laughs> give give me 10 alternative titles. And these could be things that you actually thought of or just new things. Sure. 10 titles for your podcast if Game Not Heroes didn't work out. All right. Uh, there was Howl Heroes. There was One. Intrepid One. Dice. Two. There Two. was Dice Masters. Three. Three. Um, just Game Night. Four. Uh, mm-hmm. Four. There was um, Dice Rollers. Five. Five. And some of these actually we find out there's other people who have them. That's why they didn't work. Um, um, uh, geez, what else was there? That's five. Oh, geez. Um, That's five. You're halfway there. You did great. Yeah, we did. Um, there was uh, Trepid Dice. I said that. There was um, Roll to Podcast. Six. Six. There was um, Roll to Roll. Seven. Uh, okay. Two different spellings. There was uh, dice capades. Ace. Uh, I actually like that one a lot. Oh, mm-hmm. right on. There was. Um, oh, geez. I'm. Oh, true. I need two more. Um, there was um, dice friends. I don't know. We didn't make that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the lost dice roll. I don't know. Ten. Yay! Yay! That was in fact ten things. Thank you very much, Kevin, for yes, playing our reindeer you. game. All right. Now you get to prompt Chris for his list of ten things. All right, Chris. I thought about this long and hard today. So, what are it's one of us? <laughs> what are ten unlikely items that would be a lich's phylactery? Ooh. Uh smelly tennis shoe. One. Okay. Uh, an egg. Two. Uh, my pocket. Three. My hand. Four. Uh, really small pebbles. Five. Uh, a church. Six. Uh, let's see, a Bible. Seven. And we'll go a paladin sword. Eight. A paladin. Nine. Uh, and uh, Michael's familiar. Ten! Yay! Yay! That was, in fact, ten things. All right, Chris, what you got for me, buddy? Uh, I've been playing with one. Give me ten things that would make bad poker chips. 
Uh, fingers. One. Toes. Two. Ice chips. Three. M&M's. Four. Skittles. Five. I wanted more. I keep eating candy. Uh, oh, chocolate chips. I got to throw that in there, too. Six. Um, adamantium claws. Seven. Whatever that really heavy metal that Thor's hammer's made out of. Eight. Water. Nine. Uh, dreams. Ten. Yay! Yay! That was, in fact, ten things. Ten awesome. Things. All right. So now we're going to move into sort of the meat and potatoes of the show. This is called Used Books. And this is where we're going to talk about a campaign that one of us either played or ran and try to mine that campaign for some ideas. Either things that went really well that we've carried forward and we try to do in new games, or maybe something that we tried that didn't work so well and we've avoided it since. Kevin, you are our guest tonight. Would you mind sharing a campaign with us? Absolutely. Um, I've always been very narrative-driven with the stuff that I run as a dungeon master, game master, um, either capacity. And when I first started out, I always thought that the best way to, in order to facilitate your story, was to try to plan for that story. But I kind of did it too much when I first started. And what I mean by that would be I would set into motion things such as prophecies, destinies, um, certain goals having to be met. And what I ended up finding as I played was that the more I did that, the more there was an inherent propensity for the players to want to go completely against that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, an example was I ran a game one time where the whole, it was kind of pseudo inspired by the Legacy of Cain series and uh, Prince of Persia. So there was some time travel involved and there was a lot of um, stuff that was foreshadowed. Like, for example, there was these enemies who were hunting the heroes and the big plot twist was it was actually the heroes from the future kind of thing. Um, but what happened would be I would have scenarios where they would have, say, an encounter between themselves and these other people. Well, then later in the game, we'd have to pay that off by having them actually do the same actions or same goals, which works fine in a story. But mm -hmm. when you're trying to do an actual role-playing game, it's pretty counterintuitive. <laughs> um, I had one player specifically who, even when there was definitive NPCs coming in and explaining, oh no, there's certain things that are fixed in time. You can't change them. Um, he saw it as his personal mission, both in and out of the game, to completely derail whatever those things were, <laughs> because that's not how he wanted to do it. Um, right. And uh, yeah, so it was the more I planned and the more I tried to force them into a certain scenario, the more, like it's a counterintuitive, the more not fun it became, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so it was it was a hard lesson to learn, but an important lesson to learn because um, improv is, I think, a real good friend to a DM. Mm -hmm. um, being able to roll with the punches and know what else is out there besides just your story, your head cannon, yeah. so to speak. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a wild ride. All right. Uh, so I travel's tricky. I definitely have some some thoughts on this, but I want to go to Chris first. But first, I want to give a quick yeah. shout out to Daverin Twenty Two for for one being here and then letting me know the stream is still yeah. working. So because again, the oh, numbers still look okay. good on my side. I don't know why we stopped before, so I just got paranoid because I didn't see the chat moving for a little while. So thank you for. Alleviating, alleviating my anxiety. Uh, Chris, so I guess the thing I'm thinking here is, you know, are there elements of like prophetic and a, a prophetic nature of a game or set pieces that you as the DM plan for that are worth the effort it takes to get there uh, when it seems like that when you try to do that, 
players almost instantly, either intentionally or, or unintentionally, balk and and make it either hard to pay off or you have to force them to pay off, which then kind of takes some of the fun away. So do you have any thoughts on that or any experience? Yeah. I mean, I've done the same thing you've done, Kevin. I've planned multiple layers of a story and hope the players would get through them to get to the big payoff just to find out these are really cool layers for me, but maybe that game, they just wanted to roll dice and kill things. Maybe they wanted to go in a different direction or maybe they wanted the avenue of instead of helping the God, they want to turn around and stab the God in the back. Like I've, I've done all that. The only way I've ever gotten it to work is to have a player come to me and say, hey, I want this type of prophecy. And then I can weave it in the story because then you have a player who's pushing that prophecy in a character, not the GM. Because then the players are more apt to not ruin another player's story. Uh, players tend to like to, I won't say purposely screw up a Game Master's plan, but they like to kind of buck it because they think it's fun to watch the Game Master struggle and see how they scramble. And a good GM will just smile and be like, okay, cool. And then take that little note you had and just put it in five scenes later. Like, that's what I do. I'll have story points. And if they don't get to it, I'll just put it in later. Hmm. Or I'll just completely ignore it. Or I'll just twist it a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I've done it. That's the only way I've ever gotten it to really work. Other than just to not plan that in depth. Because sometimes it is a lot of work for you and very little payoff at the end. Yeah. Sometimes it's frustration. Definitely. I, yeah. I, I've done it more with uh, like more. I, I did some stuff in Dragonlance and with the gods warring constantly and pulling players in different directions between the gods and trying to figure out which way they were going to go. And that's hard to do because the players may just find a shiny object and want to head towards that and forget about the story. I got a new sword. I want to make it more powerful. When I need the <laughs> armor to match it, it's like, well, yeah, but, but that sword's supposed to lead you to your path. And well, now it's leading to the new pair of boots. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> what about you, Michael? What are so, your thoughts? Uh, I've had some experience with this as well. I think my early experience matches Kevin's as well. I would have these, what I thought these grand moments, these, these scenes in my head that would play out in exactly this way where the players would be like, Stunned with this realization that oh my god it was us all along you know absolutely mm -hmm. something you could you could have happen in a movie a tv show or a book that would play out perfectly but role-playing games are not a medium for that to, to play out perfectly and so what i would do and i'm probably very similar to what kevin did uh before is i would force it uh you know i would uh manipulate things as the dm which you can do and you should do but it's a for you know you need to use it sparingly and in the right context uh to make sure that i would get to those and almost invariably it wouldn't be worth it because i had to do so much manipulation to get them to that moment that the players could see what i was doing and so then there it didn't have the effect i wanted which basically made all that work and effort pointless uh so what i've started doing now and this isn't any big secret is i tend to make things a little bit more vague so that mm -hmm. i can sort of pay things off by getting close. And the other thing I'll say really quickly is players are really bad about remembering stuff. 
maybe (laughs) maybe you have players who are taking notes or maybe you have those players who are actually very attentive about all things but i have found that when i recap things i can make small changes and no one realizes (laughs) that i made changes so like i'll say you know you bet the uh the you know the innkeeper who told you that X, Y, or Z, that maybe in the actual game, they told them something slightly different, or I might drop in a name. Like they told you, you know, the Countess. I didn't mention the Countess the first time. I just said that there was this mysterious figure, but it's like two sessions later, I've realized that the Countess is now the person I want that to be. So when I recap, mm-hmm. I will say, you know, the, the innkeeper told you, you know, the Countess traveled through the middle of the night two weeks ago and was seen in her carriage. And then they'll be like, oh yeah, of course it's the Countess, because the Countess has come up since then. And it's like, I'm I'm relying on their bad memories to plant false memories so that it seems <laughs> nice. like I've done a better job all along. Uh, but the well, last thing I'll say is I've done this two times now, and one I'm still in the middle of, and we'll see how it works out. Shadow Spawn's my 13th Age game, which we played last night, and then my uh, Dark Discovery game, which is on our podcast feed. I started the game with a flash forward, just like a TV show. And I didn't tell the players anything about this. And I just said, okay, this is what we're doing. This is the scene you're in. I let them role play all everything out. And then I said, okay, we're going to stop right here. And then imagine you're watching a movie and five years earlier comes up. And now we're starting the game normally. And in both cases, I kind of went to the players and said, just trust me and go with it. And so I didn't try to hide from them what I was doing after, you know, I wanted the initial reaction of them not knowing what's going on. So I didn't tell them ahead of time, look, this is what's happening. But after that, I said, okay, so it's now all of our collective goal to make that make sense. It's not on me to do it. It's on all of us. So you need to know that that's what we're building to. And then I would do it again. So like we would start off with like the third session, we start off with like a flashback two hours ahead of time. And then I trust them, and they actually did a great job. So please go listen to Dark Discovery if you haven't. And you can hear that like a certain episode start with, you know, they're in the middle of a heist. And then we'll flash back to the beginning of the heist. And it wasn't scripted, but they knew at that point, okay, okay, we know we have to get back to there. And so they would role play, I don't say correctly, but they'd role play in a way that they knew mm-hmm. where they were going. Like they knew they had to get to the Lord's Manor for the, for the heist. So they just kind of went with it, and it worked very well. I was super happy with how Dark Discovery worked out. And so far, um, Shadow Spawns has done the same way. So we started off with them. um, They're going down a river. They're being chased by people. They don't know who they're being chased by. And as I like to say, a necrotically enhanced cybernetic werewolf attacks them. Or I should say, jumps on the boat they're on and then, like, you know, hulks out. Right. So in the last game session last night they uh, met with gilpin who is this guy who's got like parts cybernetic parts and so they're putting together oh that must be the werewolf even though the players know this the characters don't but the if you go back and listen if you go back and listen it's never clear if the cybernetic werewolf was there to attack them or for another reason so they still don't know if he's actually the good guy or the bad guy but they're, they're starting to put the pieces together that that must be who that is. And so it's still fun for us to, you know, there's still discovery, even right. though we've all agreed that we know this is what we're building to. It's not all set in stone because maybe I haven't decided yet whether or not Gilpin will be attacking them or maybe he's there to protect them. We'll find out maybe in the next session because we're getting really close to getting back to that moment. Um, so that's a long way to say of going back to Kevin. So 
what have you done differently or what do you think you will do differently in the future knowing that this is something that has not worked well for you in the past? Right. Well, what I kind of did going forward from there would be I would focus more on moments, but not necessarily having moments happen in an exact certain way. Okay. Um, so what I would do, for example, in that scenario, let's say, you know, they were supposed to go back to a certain year and time and face the villain before he was the villain. Well, we would do something like that, but it wouldn't be planned out in a way where, okay, they're going to meet him at this place and say this thing to him. And he's going to respond like I almost like the scenes were written in mm-hmm. almost like a script, I guess you could say. And uh, now it's more of like a, there's certain specific things in mind that can happen, certain events that can happen, but they can happen kind of, as you mentioned, in different ways, because they're vague. Um, there might be, you know, there's a meeting between you and the king where that can happen hundreds of different ways. As long as the scene of you meeting the king does happen, then you've got the goal. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the moment still happens, basically. Um, yeah, so, and again, being more fluid with kind of just rolling with, oh, I had this planned and now they're doing this other thing. So, okay, like Chris was saying, oh, I'll put that on the back burner for now. We'll put that mm-hmm. in the a different folder and wait to use that one for maybe later in the game or even a different game. Maybe that moment's just not right for now. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think it was probably only about 10 years ago that I discovered the session zero. Um, and uh, I think that really helps a game immensely um, knowing everybody's, yeah, everybody's going to buy in and know what they're getting into, what's expected, what kind of flavor you're going for and know all that. It really helps in my opinion, it really helps both the game master and the players focus in together and know, you know, what, what to do. Right. Um, and if they have a discussion, you want to have an idea of like, for example, the time travel game where events are going to happen. Well, then they can agree. Okay. Well, we'll have events that will happen and we'll play, like you were saying, play into those and work with those to be sure that they do happen a certain way. Um, just, just, uh, open dialogue just helps a lot. <laughs> yeah, if there's anything that I could do, like if I could go back, obviously if I could go back in time, I'd change, you know, big things. But say it's like a quantum leap situation. I can only go back into my own personal life. Adding session zeros, thing again, everyone take another drink, probably would have made me such a better GM from such a much earlier age. I can I can think back to so many games that basically fell apart because no one was on the same page. I thought we were because yeah. I was the DM and I thought, well, we're telling this story. And in my head, I had already made up all these things. And I tried to, you know, explain that to them. But communication is not a perfect medium in any situation, mm-hmm. especially when you're like, you know, 15 years old. And, you know, it, so I think, again, I've said it so many times. So that's why it's the, the joke that whenever we say it, we take a drink because I, I seriously think it's like one of the most easy thing to do. But so valuable. It solves so many problems before they become problems that. I mean, it's it's literally the first piece of advice I give anybody when we're talking about like how do you you know how to become a better GM? Have a session zero thing, take it. Absolutely, because yeah, it, I, it will solve. If you spend any time on Reddit, Facebook, Twitter, people are talking about you know games and they're falling apart and they have problems with the DM or they have problems with the player. About ninety percent of those would not be problems if they had had a set again session zero. I hope no one's drinking alcohol. I don't make it wasted. Uh, right. <laughs> I'm drinking water. Me too. Yeah. If you had the session that shall not be named beforehand then either you wouldn't have those problems or you might realize, you know what, this this isn't the game I thought it was. You know, we all agreed to play this game, but what you're saying you want to do isn't actually what I'm interested in. So maybe I don't play. 
And that doesn't mean we're not friends. It doesn't mean that like, you're wrong or I'm right. It just means that maybe I'm not a good fit. How about I leave a table, the seat open for another player that is actually very interested in, in that type of game. And, you know, it'll actually work a little bit better. Uh, so, yeah, definitely 100% if I could go back and tell it, you know, this, that I preach it from the rooftops. Do those sessions that shall not be named. They're so valuable. Um, so Absolutely. It, anything else that you would share that you've either learned from uh, trying to do this or you want to do or maybe do, not do next time? Um, you know, the the session shall be never named. Like we said, I agree with you completely. It's perfect. Um, definitely um, kind of not really on the same vein, but a little bit kind of pseudo um, on the same topic would I always try to um, talk with players to know like what they do or don't think is appropriate or what they're comfortable with. Sometimes I've had scenarios in the past where we're talking about really cool moments where I've sprung it on a player. I, I had a player one time, he's a very shy guy. And my idea to make him a better role player was to give him a love interest to make him the main character of the game. And boy, he was like really in on himself on that. It was really kind of confusing for him. Um, so, you know, having a discussion with everybody, making sure everybody knows what they're in for. Um, and you were talking about if somebody feels like, oh, I'm out of fit, I'm going to leave. That's actually, in my opinion, yeah, it might sting at that moment, but that's so much better for your game in the long run. Um, every game I've ever had that's prematurely ended has been because, as you said, where people just don't see eye to eye about what the game is supposed to be yep. because it wasn't it wasn't discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I mean, I think it's paramount. I mean, I just, I, I, I agree with you shouting from the rooftops is the yeah. way to do. absolutely and then there's the you know, there's other tips i would give but that's literally number one uh chris we'll circle back to you any final thoughts on trying to set up these things or how to do it or, or how or, or specifically like maybe what not to do that we haven't already touched on I, I would throw in one thing for sure as a gm it's okay to want to tell your your kind of story and plan every now and then just find players that'll buy into that you know i've run a Shadow of the Demon Lord game where I said, hey guys, I want to throw some you know intellectual properties in here and I have a big twist that I want to build up to. Will you guys sit down and play through this story with me? And they're 100% bought into it. Every game they're like, all right, we have no idea what's next. And you know, half the time, neither do I. But I still have this end scene in mind. And it's it's really fun as a GM to kind of get to tell that story and play through that and see them, you know, see their faces and see how excited they are. But definitely get the players to buy into that. Uh, I, I know too many GMs that just sit back and go, well, my job is to only tell the players stories. And I think it's okay to tell your story every now and then. Get it out of your system. Yeah, I think it's, you know, each each game is different. And, and there may be mm-hmm. a D&D session or any team, you know, TTRPG that I run that is 100% about the players. And I just take what we talk about in the sessions that shall be named. They give me their characters. I create the world around them. 100%, that's fine. A separate game I might run where I'm like, okay, this is the world we're in. You need to build characters that fit this world. I think both of those mm-hmm. are fine. And it just depends the mood, the players, what you're what you're going for. Uh, you know, if it's a podcast or not, what, what you're trying to do with that podcast. Is it entertainment? Is it educational? Is it inspirational? You know, I think there's just different... So the as crass as it's going to sound, I kind of think it's like uh, that old pornography thing. Like, I don't know what pornography is, but I know it when I see it. I kind of feel like mm-hmm. D&D is the same way. Like, everyone like everybody knows what D&D is, but if you see someone else playing D&D, you're like, that's not my D&D. So it's like, it's, it's not right. the same for everyone, but when you're in it, 
that I think the metaphor is breaking down. It you know if you're in it or not, I guess. Uh, and then one big piece of advice I often will give as well is just in general, I try to prep and not plan, and yeah. that's very specific to this you know type of uh, situation. But just in general, I don't plan what I think my players will do. I prep for what I'm going to throw at them, and I will let them figure out how they get out of it. And that goes for combat. Like, I literally don't know what spells my characters have. I don't know how many pit points they have. I don't think that's my job. My job is to decide that tonight they're going to get attacked by an Umberhulk. They're going to figure out how to how to get, how to survive it or kill it or run from it. You know, and, I, and I'm loosey-goosey. So if I realize, like, oh, shit, I'm about to kill all of them, you know, maybe the Umberhulk takes a turn off, gets distracted, whatever, you know, sees a pretty butterfly and doesn't attack one turn. I'll do things like that to make sure I don't wipe a party. But for the most part, I just say... Tonight there's going to be an Umber Hulk, and I do not have any thoughts like when they kill the Umber Hulk or when they lead the Umber Hulk to the you know the the waterfalls they can push it over because that would be a cool scene. Who knows? I don't. So pretty much anything I throw at my characters, it's just like I'll let them figure out how they deal with it from here. And it has made me a better GM. Going back to I, I used to plan, and I would plan that they will fight the ogre. They will you know they will track down the thieves guild. They will uh, you know in, interrogate the king. And they never did any of those things. So just now I decided, well, there's a king who's doing weird stuff. And I'll let them decide if they interrogate them or, or kill them or, or whatever the case. But, you know, again, I don't plan for what they do. I just prep what's going to happen. And usually I just prep for that session. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll figure out, okay, tonight we're going to start off with this. I'll improv if I need to until the session's over. And then I just plan for how the next session starts. That's all I do for prep anymore is I, I prep for the beginning of each session. And then I improv my way through it. And then I prep based off of what happened for the next one. So, all right. Well, that will, again, thank you both for sharing. Hopefully mm -hmm. those watching now or in yeah. the future are listening. Uh, if you have any thoughts of your own as a player perspective, you know, do you like it when your DM tries to set these things up? Are you okay with it? Do you push back against it if it's not done in a certain way? I'd love for you to share. Uh, again, when this episode comes out, feel free to throw some comments. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, but we're going to move on to the second improv game. This is the one everybody loves, and it is Where Have My Fingers Been? And in this game, we're going to act out short scenes with two finger puppets about where these fingers have been uh, to varying levels of success, uh, I would say. Kevin, once again, you are our guest. Would you like to go first, second, or third in terms of actually performing? Um, I'll go second. Why not? All right. So then, Chris, you will prompt me. I will prompt Kevin. Kevin, you will close the loop and prompt Chris. And it, you have to sing the song. It's it's required. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Your fingers are two friends that have found themselves stuck in quicksand. Well, ain't this just great? I know. I mean, like as a kid, I watched like all kinds of Westerns. And I just kept thinking that quicksand would be something that I would have to... Yeah, I know what you mean. And that's where my fingers have been. Yay. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Great ending. Thank you. Yeah, an yeah. ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it actually, well, kind of, yeah, sort of, sort of. Uh, All right. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Jared. Just, right. The other Jared just jumped in that Chris is God, and I'm thinking we actually in our the Action Twelve Cinema there was quicksand was an element that might be what they're talking about. All right, Kevin. Oh, so first of all, sing your song. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Your fingers have been. Oh, where do I want your fingers to be? That sounds oh, dirty. I don't wow. mean it that that's way. That's loaded. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hmm. 
your fingers are at a cosplay contest and you vehemently disagree with the winning, the person who won. The winner is <laughs> Metroid Prime. What? Are you kidding me? That thing was made out of cardboard, man. Mine was way better. Uh, dude, yours is made out of cardboard, too. Uh, yeah, but it had the right colors and stuff. It's important. Yeah, um, but uh, it's just a cardboard box on your head. Oh, good point. You don't even have a costume on. Uh, gotta go. <laughs> I still disagree. I still gotta. <laughs> that's where my fingers have been, and that's perfect. Hey. That was great. All right, so Kevin, you to close the loop. Give Chris a prompt, but first, Chris, of course, must sing the song. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Your fingers have been missing for five years because they were blipped away by Thanos during the snap. Oh. And they've just come back. I'm sorry, spoiler alert. Wow. <laughs> Very specific. What? What? You're, where? What? There, there used to be a... I was just staring at a building. Where, where is it? It's, I don't know. Who are you? Who, who are you? Well, I'm, I'm Kevin. I'm Michael. Where have we been? I don't understand. Where are we now? It, it doesn't make it doesn't it just doesn't make sense. Where, where where should we go now? I'm gonna go home. I have a wife and kids. Are you sure? <laughs> and that's where my fingers that, have been. That took a turn. All right. It did. So I love it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, everyone, for playing uh, our our reindeer games. All right. So now we're going to move into sort of the unofficial end of the show. We will do question and answer if people want to have questions. But this is cryptozoology, and this is where we talk about a monster, often from D and D, but it doesn't have to be. And we talk a little bit about the monster. Maybe think of some ways that we have used this monster in the past, and then brainstorm some ways that we could use this monster in the future. Kevin, you have a monster for us tonight, sir. What are we talking about? I do. Um, very fun monster. Um, some people might know it. Some people might not. Um, kind of touching base with the, the campaign storyline that we're playing on the show right now. Uh, we are adventuring in Freeport, which is a campaign setting by Green Ronin Publishing. Basically, it's okay. a pirate town with Cthulhu undertones. And mm. one of the foes that you face a lot are serpent people, or Velocens, as they're referred to in the campaign setting. And they are these really cool, rad, uh, shape-shifting, humanoid serpent people who are working beneath the scenes to try to take over Freeport and cause some other nefarious purposes. And uh, they're a good time. <laughs> um, they're cool. Um, I've, I've ventured into Freeport a few times um, and they kind of pop up and you can have them straightforward where they are literally humanoid serpent people that fight you. Um, there's kind of two types. There's like the civilized type which are you know can cast spells use weapons fight you know talk with you things like that and then you have the degenerate kind which are basically just savage they just openly attack you and try to kill you every three seconds and uh they even have a dichotomy where they're kind of playing against each other a little bit too but that's some spoiler territory there. but um they um but they're really exciting because they are shapeshifters you can use them in a lot of different scenarios they can kind of pop up when you least expect them um, there's a, 
a moment in the campaign, for example, where if you play through the box text adventures, where you defeat a villain and you first learn about these things because you defeat this villain and he turns into one of these things and you have no idea that it was even going on. And it's, that's uh, pretty crazy, but you can do that with other stuff. <laughs> I know the very first time we ventured into it, we had a scenario where I actually made a NPC that the party was really becoming friends with over the course of the campaign actually be one of these things in disguise who was actually a good aligned one who was trying to actually help them and they just didn't know that the whole time um, made for a pretty big uh, plot twist when he revealed himself kind of thing um, but uh, yeah they're 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 pretty exciting though because like I said with the shape-shifting um, they can you know breathe underwater so you can do crazy stuff like they sneak up on your boat and you don't ever see them coming um, they uh They've got a whole thing where they're worshiping like a Cthulhu type God. So you can have all kinds of crazy spells. You know, you can bust out wild and crazy stuff. You wouldn't necessarily use in a regular game because they've got access to some pretty wild and weird stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty exciting. They're pretty, they're pretty crazy. Right. I like them. And I, I have played Phage a few times. Mostly I've ran it, but uh, I'm not super familiar with it like I am with D&D. So just to give maybe some other people out there who are also not as familiar, are, you know, mm -hmm. so the first thing that came to my mind was like doppelgangers. I know they're not the same thing, but do they sort of fill the same sort of role that they have these shape-shifting creatures that are intelligent and might have their own machinations, or is it radically different? Uh, well, because there's two different kinds, uh, basically the the degenerate kind are just straight up. They just want to destroy and kill and stuff. And part of what their background is that they had their civilization fell. They tried to contract one of their gods that they follow, who is uh, basically one of the uh, you know the great old ones, mm -hmm. again, like a Cthulhu, like a Haster kind of character. And their civilization fell because of that. And all the degenerate ones are ones that went mad during this process. So they're just literally just savages. They can't reason or have any sort of interactions with you that are anything except just trying to kill and eat you um so they don't really do it that way but the civilized ones can be yeah they could be you know you know your evil spellcaster guy your you know politician guy who's in disguise trying to manipulate people you could do all these really cool things so they do kind of fit that niche in that way um they're not quite as um they're not quite as structured as doppelgangers are, where there's sure. a definitive purpose that they're doing it for. But you could make them be that way, right. absolutely. Yeah. And um, how, like in the 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 lore of the world, is it pretty common knowledge that these things exist? Like, are the common folk that are going to work back and forth thinking, "Oh, that could be one of those damn things," or is that pretty much like adventurer knowledge only as you encounter them? Right. Well, the the setting's been around for twenty years, basically. Uh, so. At this point in the timeline of stuff, because they've had books coming out the whole time, um, they kind of are a little bit known. But in the original and kind of like more like in the, the original stories and kind of like we're like, for example, where we're at in our podcast, they're completely unknown. Um, the heroes are discovering them for the first time and revealing them for the first time, which makes it kind of exciting because it's all uh, all open ground for them. It's nothing that, that nobody is aware of. So it's it's kind of exciting to use it that way. Sure. Um, but yeah, they're all it's all a new kind of secretive thing. So okay, gives you a lot of playroom. So Chris, any thoughts on how you might use these types of creatures in a game that you're running? I, that's, uh, I really like the idea of these monsters. This would be something that I would probably reveal to the players as they, you know, 
go into an ancient ruin and then all of a sudden poof they pop into another world maybe even jump in the past when the actual war was going on that destroyed their civilization and maybe they're the reason that these things came back through with them mm. so maybe you aren't the heroes all of a sudden or maybe now you have to fight them to try to you know save the planet or uh, calm down the ones that have gone crazy find a cure for them so they can be part of society again or just do the flip and let them be the uh, kind of the secret cult that is trying to really bring Cthulhu back. Maybe they really are the shamans and the crazy ones just go out there to try to bring them new victims or whatever they need to bring Cthulhu back. Or maybe they're the crazy ones who are just really crazy and you just throw them out there just to beat up the party. Yeah. yeah. Always fun. <laughs> so the, the first thing that I thought of is I, I always try to find a way to use these creatures that are, you know, monsters in general that aren't the, to hit it with a stick until it's dead. You know, like what is an interesting avenue? So I like the Dave approach in the movie. So we have a politician that we need to basically kidnap and supplant with our own version. So the shapeshifter would fit the bill. But, uh, and this is, you know, this is Scooby-Doo level hijinks. Uh, in, in my version, the shape changers would not be able to perfectly mimic. That's not, would be one of the natural abilities. Like they would have to do some work. Mm. So it, it would almost be like a thing where we'd have to try to get their password. So we'd have to get the target and have like a really awkward conversation to get them to say certain sentences so that they get like a full run of all the vowel sounds or something, you know, just like multiple of these set up like they go to a restaurant and one of our characters plays a waiter and it's like constantly messes up the order just to get them upset so that the shapeshifter can hear like when they yell what does it sound like and you know maybe get, get like a seduction scene so they can hear them in that kind of situation then we have to figure out a way to get that politician that king or whoever kidnapped and out of the picture so that we can supplant them and of course at that point we're going to mess up and grab one of the barbaric shapeshifters instead not realizing that we've grabbed the wrong one so now our king is being portrayed by a barbaric shapeshifter not the smart smart one i don't know again we talked at the beginning about trying to set things awesome. up that, that may be way too convoluted to that not me forcing it but i think that would be hilarious to actually try to play that out in a game i just had a thought what if it's you had dangerous. a player who's i know this would be really i think this would be fun you have a a player whose character dies in one session next session all of a sudden the party finds his character again there you go and he claims that somebody resurrected him but it's really one of these creatures who are slowly trying to convert the rest of the party to help him bring back you know one of the ancient ones or something like that now you're gonna have to get a lot of buy-in from that player to you know and get him involved him or her involved and just have fun with it but that could be a neat way of using them and maybe you give clues to the other players of what he really is. Maybe they figure it out before they get there. I love that. So I like that the... player kind of becomes a little bit of a GM in a way. Mm, right. Again, that, that that's player... the buy-in. You'd have to go to the player and say, yeah. are you cool with us doing this? Well, not only that, are you cool with the new character you're playing? Probably going to be killed by the party. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Best case scenario, they find out and kill you. Worst case scenario, you kill all of them or you convert them all to your cult and then you actually bring Cthulhu back. Um, I like the idea of maybe like a murder mystery where, let's say, a body washes up on shore and the players, you know, for whatever reason, they're involved and they start investigating this murder and they find out the victim's not dead. Like, you know, this is like Johnny Fisherman. 
they go to the Johnny Fisherman's house. Johnny Fisherman's there. And they start investigating. Awesome. It turns out last time they were on the out fishing, Johnny fell off the boat, but just for a couple minutes. And then, you know, they pulled him back in. Well, they, the switcheroo happened at that moment. Maybe that was an intentional sort of thing. And so now that that's how this they're infiltrating. And we, they start learning that th- there's actually been like a rash of accidents, but but the people keep surviving. And because normally the other shapeshifters like take the body down or destroy it, whatever. And this time they didn't. So there's like maybe like 10% of all the Fisher people have already been changed and this is the, the cult activity they're they're trying to infiltrate this community and once they have enough saturation they can start to like reveal themselves or, or whatever their machinations would be so they they by this you know again it's like psych or monk or colombo type of thing <laughs> this, this one case they messed up and that's how the players get involved but just that moment of well we're investigating i'm sorry ma'am for your loss but your husband is right behind you for some reason that's weird <laughs> uh you know and just that that moment of that what's going on because then is the body the doppelganger is it twit like until until you actually reveal the shapeshifter there's a lot of fun that could be had with that you could throw in a magical storm happened that night which is why the body got free but that's going to make them all think well is this all about the magical storm or Mm -hmm. it's that whole look at one hand while the other hand's doing something different oh yeah red herrings are great in mystery stuff oh yeah absolutely absolutely and I know I mentioned this probably before, I think actually on the, the Doppelganger one we've done, but uh, one of my Eberron games that I ran, um, I, I I love to do this as a DM. I just throw out like sort of like random adjectives just to see what sticks. So this this character has bright red hair. This one's got freckles. This one, you know, this sword hums when you pick it up, whatever. And I just kind of see what people attach themselves to, what, what sticks out, what, what stays around, and then I'll kind of lean into it. And I had described this NPC as having very vibrant green eyes. And I guess I had forgotten. And then later, like several sessions later, I described another NPC that had vibrant green eyes. And the player's like, that's so weird. Why, you know? And so they put together, because they actually had better memory than me there. And so then at that point, I, I went back and converted that, they, that it's the same doppelganger uh, every time and that's like their calling card so they always take on different forms but they always have vibrant green eyes and so they weren't a doppelganger before but they be, they became one again trying to keep things vague uh, so that's another thing you could do is have some detail that the players catch on eye color hair color tattoo something that they keep seeing over and over again but it's different people and so maybe they think there's like a thieves guild that's working or there's again like a cult which maybe actually is uh, and then when they realize that they actually it, that's probably like a less obvious way to, to draw them in that something's happening. So I don't know. I think it'd be fun. Uh, so you started this, Kevin, any other ideas you have for maybe using these in the future you'd like to share? Um, I, li- I like your guys' ideas a lot. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the thing about the eyes is funny because one of my players actually teases me because for the longest time, key NPC that was trustworthy had golden red hair. It mm. was just something I inadvertently did. So he makes fun of me to this day. Do they have red hair? They're a good guy. <laughs> but uh, um, but with the, the shape-shifting serpent people, um, an idea I toyed around with would be, um, you know, if you were running it, for example, if you wanted to maybe explore the different aspects of the civilization of these characters uh, for these different serpent folk, the two different factions, so to speak, is maybe you have, again, with player buy-in, maybe you in the beginning, you have a PC, a cleric, for example, who is one of these creatures, but is in disguise as a normal person for a purpose. Maybe they do or don't tell the party that. Um, 
we sometimes play with secrets, you know, and people don't know stuff um, in the games that we play in. So it's like, you know, maybe there's a reason and there's a, you know, there's a bigger picture you can do. Um, I kind of think about it like with, you know, the new Battlestar Galactica, you know, who's a Cylon, who isn't a Cylon, you know, mm-hmm. that whole thing. It's like, uh, you can kind of play, you can make a whole campaign around that. You know, who's a, who's a shapeshifter, who's not kind of thing. Um, but again, that's more of a, a niche kind of story, but, um, but yeah, the shapeshifting aspect is really fun though. And then once you start getting into the fact that they're dealing with, you know, Cthulhu and weird, creepy stuff like that. You can do all kinds of other wild stuff too. You know, do they have spells that make you think you're seeing a shapeshifter, but you're really not? You know, can you pit the party against their allies by doing things like uh, illusionary magic to make it look like somebody's a, a shapeshifter? Um, yeah, just the sky's the limit with crazy stuff you can do. Yeah. So. I just did one more I thought of quickly is uh, so you could like mess with their expectations. Like maybe they think they're going into like a poor area of a city and there's a bunch of like, you know, paupers and orphans. uh, And then they start to attack them and they're like, Oh, great. We're fighting all these, you know, old weak, you know, people. And then they turn out though, they're like the barbarian type of shapeshifter. So it seems like, uh, like an odd thing for them to be attacked, but it turns out it's actually a deadly combat or, or a dangerous combat to just to mess with those expectations a little bit that it seems like, it, you know, it's kind of coming out of nowhere. I don't know. Uh, but apparently a Devoren 22 is either the player you mentioned or also agrees that uh, red golden hair is always the good person. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. All right, so now we're going to move into the last section of the show, and this is our audience Q&A. So if anyone's watching, we, we've had up to like 10 people at one point. I think we got six right now. Uh, if anybody in, in chat would like to ask questions for any of us, it doesn't have to be RPG-related. Kind of makes sense that it would be. But if you just want to know our opinions on things, uh, you know, we will do our best to answer. We will reserve the right not to ask answer certain questions if we don't think they're appropriate. Uh, but, you know, just all good and fun. Uh, but there's a little bit of a delay. for so. But while people may be thinking if they have any questions, let's go around the room one more time. Kevin, tell people again where they can find your podcast and where they can find you, like on Twitter, social media, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Uh, the Game Night Heroes can be found on all the social media platforms at Game Night Heroes. Um, we also have a website, GameNightHeroes.com. And uh, we're on, at this point, nine different streaming platforms. All the major ones you can get us there. And uh, we'd love to have people listen and take the journey with us. Uh, like I said, it's a very story-driven. Uh, we're currently playing D&D, but we are going to be playing other campaigns, systems, and settings down the road we just started with D mm-hmm. um and uh it's a good time um i can be found at kev ran games on twitter and instagram too i'm not as active on instagram but i'm on twitter quite a bit and uh yeah we just we would love to uh have you take the journey with us all right so one more time again if anybody in chat has questions please just throw them into chat now uh chris where can people find you and redemption uh redemption uh pretty much find it on every pod catcher podcast platform out there uh, also our website redemption pod uh, well, redemption podcast uh, i'm on twitter burlu underscore chris and i uh, catch me here every now and then plus on redemption discord the rpg academy discord uh, a few other discords that i belong to uh, not that i spend a ton of time on them but you know once a day i usually check them where can you be found, Michael? Uh, pretty much everything I do can be found at the RPG Academy. Uh, again, we're on all the 
podcasting platforms as well. Uh, we do this show, Detention Live, every other Wednesday. So next Wednesday will not be Detention. The Wednesday after that will be. On the alternating Wednesdays, Tom runs a 5e campaign, D&D 5e. They're currently running Ghosts of Salt Marsh, but he tells me they are so far off book at this point, they probably shouldn't even be calling it that. <laughs> uh, and then on the same weeks, same days of same day of the week is same hmm, same weeks as Detention. On Tuesdays, I run a thirteenth age game called Shadow Spawns. So that was yesterday. So two weeks from yesterday, we'll be doing that again. Um, and then. Uh, I played some video games, mostly Monday through Friday around 2 o'clock. I'm currently playing Dragon Warrior 2. Uh, I've played through Final Fantasy, played through Legend of Zelda. I've done a few other games. After this one, I think I'm going to jump systems into Sega Genesis and play Shining Force. So if that uh, is interesting to you, you can catch me Monday through Friday, 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. And all the stuff ends up on uh, YouTube as well after the fact. And most of the stuff ends up on audio only. Uh, And then lastly, Farm to Fable. If you like Smallville, I'm doing a complete... 10 season rewatch podcast uh we just finished season two we're about to start season three so we do have a question from a regenosaurus rex uh which is a great name i like that yes, who is the name. next snake person in disguise so i guess Ooh. um we could you know it, it could be like my <laughs> wife my kids right. my, my dog uh but in the sure. game i'm currently running shadow spawn it's the only game i'm actually running and uh i'm gonna go with I'm going to say Gilpin. Uh, that is the first wizard to the Dwarven King, who is very likely also a necrotically enhanced cybernetic werewolf, but maybe that's the, the skies and they're actually a snake person. Uh, so, Chris, I guess Redemption. Who, who's a, the, the snake person disguised in Redemption? Wow. That'd be a tough one because we're in Star Wars. Um, Surely there's a shape-shifting race in Star are. Wars. Uh, the, the Claudites. There's that one. There's probably others that I don't know. What would you do for a Claudite bar? <laughs> ah, well played, sir. Uh, right now, I would smile. Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably uh, the character that we just, the NPC that they created, uh, Mav. I could have her be a, a shapeshifter in disguise who they think is actually helping them, but uh, may not be. Mm. All right, and then Kevin, so what about you? Um... Well, definitely. Uh, there was a turnip salesman that they met in like episode two. Yeah, he's definitely leader of the serpent people. At, at some point, did his turnip cart get destroyed and he yelled, my turnips? Uh, no, but that's what we'll do in the final battle. We'll, of course. We'll get yes. that going for sure. For sure. <laughs> Excellent. All right. I got another question. Devorin22, what is your favorite system or tabletop to play other than D&D? Uh, Kevin, we'll start with you. Do you have a second? And that's assuming D&D is your favorite. I don't know that it is, but... What are a couple other games that you like to play besides D&D? Of course, yeah. Uh, yeah, D&D is always, you know, that's where I started. That's where we still do. Um, I, I like Fantasy Age by Green Ronin. It's uh, awesome. The stunting system and everything is uh, really, really cool. Um, I used to play Vampire Masquerade back in the day, so I've got a fondness for that. Um, Mutants and Masterminds is a fun one that I love a lot, too. Um, I agree. And... Uh, yeah, lots of Cortex. I'm really big on Cortex. I'm not sure if you guys have played that at all. They did like the Firefly role-playing game, mm-hmm. Serenity role-playing game back in the day. Um, it's very cool. I'm into more like narrative games. Um, I do want to play um, some of the Powered by the Apocalypse stuff and also the um, uh, the Genesis system. I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but uh, really, really want to dive into that because uh, it's the kind of flavor I like. So, And what about you, Chris? 
Well, obviously, I'm big on the Star Wars, the Fantasy Flight one, which you mentioned Genesis. That's what kind of started Genesis was that system. Mm-hmm. Um, I have played some Genesis. It's not bad. Uh, my only critique is it takes a while to build characters. Because since it is a generic system, you kind of have to figure out how you're going to make things work in your system. Uh, I've said it before, I'm a big Shadow of the Demon Lord fan. I really like the simplicity of that game, how rules light it is. And I'm also a big fan of the system because there's a lot of Cthulhu uh, tones to it, as well as there's a tiny bit of of steampunk in there. So I kind of like that. It's not your typical just straight-up fantasy world. Uh, That one's also fun because you've got the insanity and corruption that really do change what players do. Anything that has an insanity skill where it's like, oh, well, you know, you're going to kick that door open when you hear the screaming woman on the other side? All right. Roll that willpower check. Yep, a demon's ripping her head off. That's three insanity points. Oh, that puts me over the limit. Well, should have thought it before you kicked the door open. (laughs) It does tend to lead to sometimes almost too realistic gameplay because you're like, oh, well, don't know her. Tough luck. And you keep going down the road type thing. But I really like that one. Uh, I have played Dungeon World quite a bit. I like that one. I really like Dungeon World if you want to bring new players in. Let me show you how to role play. I don't want to show you how to roll dice. Let me just show you how to role play. And that's really good to just get them involved. I love systems where the players go, what can I do? And I can say literally anything. Yeah. You describe what you want. I'm going to tell you what you have to roll and we'll make the story. Those are more my systems. Uh, I do like mutants and masterminds. I like coming up with backstories for superheroes and how they got their powers and their weaknesses and stuff like that. Um, man, I've, I've played a ton of systems. Yeah. Uh, Hollowed Earth. Was that what was that? Called? Hollowed Earth. Uh, Hollow Earth, Hollow Earth Expedition. Expedition. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I just, yeah. I knew it was Hex. That's, I like yeah. that one. That's a fun one too. That game's awesome too. Yeah. Uh, I think I like the setting on that one with the Thule Society and, you know, trying to, you know, I guess beat the Nazis to, <laughs> you know, finding magic and stuff like that. It's kind of neat, but. Otherwise, I play just a ton of tabletop games. Yeah. Not saying I'm obsessed with DC Deck Builder, but I think I've played that almost every th- other day or every third day for the past like three weeks. But wow, yeah, uh, it's a lot of fun. Lot of, they have like Crisis Mode where you can play it co-op or yeah. Anyways, I've been yeah. on that one for a while. But what about you, Michael? Uh, so I'll just do a, a quick plug in case anyone is watching now or in the future that isn't already familiar with our show. We do a, a show here called The Trials. And every one of those are us playing a game we've never played before. And usually we get the designer or one of the designers of the game to run it for us. So mm-hmm. if you are also interested in a bunch of other systems, go check out our trials. We have a bunch of them on there and they're, they're a great representation of that uh, system. So um, I really like 13th Age, but that's basically a kissing cousin to D&D. So I kind of count it as a D&D game. It's got some really cool indie stuff on top of it, role play focused, but it's basically yep. D&D. Uh, Savage Worlds is a is a great game. I really like Savage Worlds quite a lot. Um, Deadlands is awesome. Deadlands is is a ton of fun. Absolutely. Uh, my superhero game is Marvel, the old face rip game, which is not <laughs> yeah. a good game. It is no. not a good game, but I love it <laughs> a lot, and I, I like to play it quite a lot. Um, Dread. If I'm running a one shot, Dread is my go to one shot system. If yeah. you're not familiar, Dread is you use a Jenga tower for the game. It's mostly for horror 
but it can be used for other systems or other genres. And I run a Scooby-Doo Dread game, which is, might be the oh. best thing I've ever designed. Uh, and Amazing. I'm working on my own role-playing game. It is so much fun. It's uh, it's almost like a real life. So basically, it's been 20 years since Scooby died. And the players are brought back together clue style. So they haven't even seen each other in 20 years. They're all brought together in this mansion for one night to figure out who killed Scooby-Doo. And it's so Amazing. much fun. It is so much fun. So Dread is absolutely one of my favorite one-shots. Wushu uh, is a really indie game, but it's one of the games that is really focused on role-play. You only have three stats. You, your, your card is literally a note card, your character sheet. Uh, the more descriptive you are, the more dice you get to roll. So, the, you know, it kind of encourages you to be super descriptive. It kind of helps. Uh, Fiasco is a ton of fun. Fate. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, there's just so many games out there, and and I would say I started with D and D. It's the first game I ever played. It's still my favorite. I still love it, but I actually play other games more than I play D and D now. Like almost probably eighty yeah, percent of the games I play or run are not D and D at this point. And that's not even including the fact I'm designing my own. I'm playing it a lot, uh, but every now and then I still like to kick out that D twenty. I know it's a terrible <laughs> swingy variable system, but to me there's nothing more fun than rolling a twenty on a natural twenty. I don't care. I could run two D six. All day in whatever um, dungeon world, and it getting a twelve on two d six does not do anything for me like a d twenty is on a d twenty. Uh, and then one more masks uh, that is the probably the my favorite power by the apocalypse game I've played. Uh, it's a superhero game, but it's more like Young Justice. It's it's very mm-hmm. angsty teenage drama, again more focused on the role play than the dice. Uh, and then secondly would be Monster of the Week, because I love Buffy, I love Scooby-Doo, I love Supernatural TV show, and that's what that system is. So um, hopefully there's a bunch of recommendations in there. If anything sparked your interest, please go check it out. Throw some love to an indie creator, buy their game, uh, check out our trials. If there's anything that sounds interesting, you'll get to hear how it goes. Uh, those great questions. Thank you both. Uh, we'll, we'll One more time, we'll open it up in case anybody else has questions, because this is like one of the most fun things we do. Uh, so one more time quickly, Kevin, where can people find you on the internet? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Game Night Heroes or at GameNightHeroes.com. I am at Twitter and Instagram at Kevran Games. Excellent. And Chris, where nice. can people find you? Twitter, Erlu underscore Chris. It's always the easiest way to find me. Or join the RPG Academy Discord. Or the Redemption Discord. Um, those are the two main ones I'm on. All right. And then um, I will also plug our Discord as well. We have a channel there for setting up tabletop simulator games. That's uh, Chris and I have actually been playing DC Belt Gutter together quite a lot. Uh, sounds like you've been cheating on me because you've been playing more than I have. Uh, but we <laughs> try to set up games pretty regularly uh, through there for uh, like board games, card games uh, through there. Uh, we use tabletop simulator mostly, but not exclusively. Yeah. And we have an every other Tuesday open invite that we play so not yesterday so one week from yesterday if you have tabletop simulator and want to play some board games with us we play dc deck builder marvel legendary uh horrified uh the marvel united game what else we've been playing on there uh sentinels of the multiverse Multiverse is one we've been playing a lot and we've got a few that we want to get to but they're a little bit heavier so we're you know trying to find the right mind space to sit down and play like a five-hour game on tabletop it's you gotta be ready for that, but there's some there's some heavier weighted games that I want to get to eventually. But I'm still loving DC Deck Builder, so I can play that pretty much any time. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting for somebody to come play Battlestar Galactica with me. No. You need five that game plus rocks. You can't play it with two or three because it's no. You figure out the Cylon too quick, and you just throw them mm. in the brig, and they're done. Mm. You, five yeah. players minimum. There's even a, a tabletop simulator that has every expansion, which 
I have no idea how to play all of them because if you try to buy them in real life, they're $300 a piece. Yeah. I have the base set and a happy wife. That's all I have too. Just the base. (laughs) Yeah, I don't buy all the expansions because a happy wife is important. Yeah. Uh, I would love to jump on there with a few people and four other people at least and try some of those expansions. I mean, obviously we have to read the rules and figure them out. Right. They're kind of neat. I know there's a whole expansion where you can play the Cylon leaders. I have no idea how that works. It's kind of neat to try to play the other side. And this is totally self-serving, uh, but we have one more time. Any questions, throw them in chat. Uh, you were supposed to play Firefly Legendary the other day. Did you get to play it? How was it? I liked it. Uh, that was me and my wife and a couple other people. Um, you actually played, we played through the first three episodes of the show. Mm-hmm. And first time through, poor luck, we drew the big bad ship that just crushed us after like four turns oh so we hit the reset button and went well we're gonna call that poor luck and then we went through the three episodes and never took another hit oh wow nice but part of it is we figured out the first time how to do it what to buy what not to buy Mm -hmm. i really like the mechanics of it because you have to protect the ship as well as your characters because you're actually playing one of the characters so you can take damage serenity can take damage and each one has a different you know, mission, just like the show, like the first episode, you're trying to collect salvage and you jump into the train job and then you just go from there. Uh, you can play the whole campaign and the way it's set up is after the first three episodes, it's kind of like an intermission where you can get flaws and things for your, excuse me, for your characters. And then you just pick up with the next three episodes. I haven't figured out if you're supposed to reshuffle the hero deck or not, but I'll have to figure that part out. But. Cool. Each episode only took like a half an hour to 45 minutes to play. So it wasn't like a normal, hey, we set this mastermind up and three hours later, we're just not figuring out we can't win. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I love Legendary, but that is the, the downside is it takes so long to get organized. And if you get a just a bad draw or the mastermind or whatever, and then you're like, I know we're going to lose, but it's going to be like another 45 minutes before we actually lose. So do we just cancel now? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you know pretty quick how you're going to do in this one. Uh, the neat thing too is when you when you roll cards into the verse, you don't reveal them. Mm. Mm. I played if the they, alien ex- uh, version. You have to yeah, pay we played to, alien too to yeah. flip them over it, to see what they are. Yeah, you have to pay, and then if it goes so far, it gets pushed into the combat zone. Then you flip it over, mm. and then you have to resolve it each time it's your turn. So I thought that was a neat mechanic. I haven't played the alien one, so. That's yeah. kind of next on my list. The alien one's intense. It, you, it, it, those aliens can really, really build up as they kind of come out. You can really get overwhelmed real quick in that game, in yeah. my experience. Uh, <laughs> I've played the alien one time, uh, the alien version of, of Legendary. Mm-hmm. And we basically, the very last player that was still alive, had one turn before they were going to die. And they got exactly the card they needed. And we won the game. And I've said, nice. amazing. it will never get better than that, so I will never play that game again. <laughs> like, it literally was like, we all died, one player left, last possible turn. If he doesn't win that turn, we lose, and he got exactly what he needed. It's like, okay, I've, I'm good. That'll, I'll, I'll remember it. that forever, never need to play it again. Uh, thank everybody for, for watching. I love the questions. Thank you so much for, for doing that. Um, but I think we're going to wrap up here. So one last thing for the Discord. We have an open Discord. Anyone can join, but you have to get invited because when we first made it public, 
we got a bunch of people jump in there spamming a bunch of stupid stuff. So we just, uh, we made it closed, but anyone can get invited if you ask me. So if you'd like to join our Discord, it's a small community, very cool. We talk mostly about Marvel shows and toys and comic books and movies and TVs and every now and then role-playing games. Uh, but we also do set up these tabletop games like Chris and I are talking about. Uh, just hit me up on Twitter. Let me know you want to invite. I'll send it along. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. I really enjoyed it. I thought you did great on the show. Best thank of you luck so much. to you and the podcast. I hope we get a thank few you. extra listeners your way. Uh, if you'd you. like to come back in the future sometime, happy to have you. Oh, I'd be thrilled to. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time today. All right. Excellent. It was a lot of fun. Do the awkward wave out while I look for the, for the stop button. See ya. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.